Welcome to the Queer Mo Cast on this most blessed, blessed of days, <laughs> Ostara Eve. Hello, I'm Shim Sham. Oh yeah, that's how you start. I'm Shim Sham. Pronouns they, them, he, him, she, her. Um, oh my and to my to my front is hi it's kj uh pronouns are they them um although mama calls me she her and i don't mind that uh, <laughs> it's fun um mama calls everyone she her though that's sort of the default pronoun i've noticed um and i agree this is such a like today it's gonna hit 50 um which is such a delightful just just such a delightful feeling. You know what I mean? Such a delightful feeling. I did want to say Ostara technically was back in March because that's on the spring equinox. So we oh, are moving into... So Ostara so technically, and Easter are not um, interchangeable. They don't always coincide with each other, no. Hi, everybody. Editing KJ here with a far inferior microphone just to give you a little bit more uh, information about what Mama and I were just talking about. So... Easter is a movable feast according to the uh, ecclesiastic calendar of the Catholic Church. So Easter does fall on the first Sunday after the full moon based on mathematical calculations. Um, If the full moon is on a Sunday, Easter is celebrated on the following Sunday. So it is based on the spring equinox or the vernal equinox. However, they won't always fall on the same date because it has to do with where the full moon cycles are. Um, and that is the Paschal full moon, um, which is used to determine the date of Easter. Um, is based on a mathematical approximation following a 19-year cycle called the Metonic cycle. Um, gets its name from various uh, Germanic and Austro-Hungarian words um, for dawn that share the root for the word aurora, which means to shine. Uh, So Ostara does fall in the vernal or spring equinox each year, and all of these are related to each other in terms of the timing and all of the elements that go into where they're placed. However, uh, Easter is specifically uh, based on Christian and Catholic traditions, whereas Ostara and the Equinox are typically celebrated by, uh, in this day and age, neo-pagans or people who do not subscribe to Judeo-Christian traditions. And that's for me as well. While I no longer celebrate uh, Christian Easter, I do uh, observe Ostara and make sure that I take some time to figure out how to freshen up my life and the world around me during that time and prepare for the coming year as the winter comes to an end and the world comes back to life again. A little bit more information here uh, about Passover, uh, which occurs in the middle of the Hebrew month Nisan, is one of Judaism's most important festivals. Uh, During ancient times, it coincided with the spring harvest and was a pilgrimage festival, one of the three times during the year when all men were required to participate in celebrations at the temple. Uh, Later on, the holiday commemorated the exodus from Egypt in the 13th century BC. And all this information came from the Unitarian Universalist Association. Um, So, hope that information was interesting and fun for you. Let's get back to the show. Yeah, because this... I, I Easter is one of my favorite holidays because it is um 
It is the first Sunday after the first full moon of the spring yep. equinox, which How is beautiful so and delightful is that? Spook- yeah, it's so <laughs> ooky spooky. That's why it's such a floating holiday. So I love Easter. I love bunnies. I love carrots. I mean, I don't love them, but they're great. I love flowers. I love the whole <laughs> aesthetic. I like pastels. I like the whole Easter aesthetic. Um, and then, what was I going to say? Oh, and the full moon was Thursday, April 6th. And let me tell you, this whole week has been weird. It has been spooky. <laughs> it has. It was been, a full moon week. It has been wonderful. <laughs> it has been weird. Uh, so full moon energy this past week. I mean, our computer system at work was like people are just getting booted, which when you're at work can be nice. Ugh. <laughs> Sometimes it can be like good, get a little downtime, and other times it can be frustrating. You're like, I was just in the middle of something, so. Um, how has your week been? So this was my partial spring break. Um, I had to, I, I kept saying I'm on vacation right now. And then I was like, I have to stop saying that I'm not on vacation because I still taught seven classes, but, uh, <laughs> those were all morning classes. So I had afternoons off this week because, uh, one of my studios was closed for spring break. Cause all the St. Paul kids are on spring break this week and half of them went on vacations elsewhere. Um, including my boss, who's just now getting back from Puerto Rico, like tomorrow, tomorrow Ooh, or the next day. I'm like, Puerto Rico fans? sounds so nice. I know. Um, I would love that. But uh, it was mostly a really good week. I finished unpacking pretty much all of my own stuff in the in the house. So now we are fully we're we're fully moved in. Everything's moved out of our old place. We moved everything out last Saturday. Handed the keys back. Keeping our fingers crossed, we're getting the whole security deposit back. Uh, <laughs> cause mama could use the extra, the extra coin right now. Um, and cause moving, I don't know if you know this, moving is expensive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and how are you feeling? Moving is so stressful. Are you finally feeling a little bit less stressed? Yes. Uh, now that we have everything out of the old place, we're completely moved in here. And also a lot of Like, I just unpacked my studio yesterday, so I'm surrounded by all the things that help me feel like I'm in my space. Um, Our living room is set up mostly the way we want it. We've started putting artwork up. The kitchen is functional. Like, every room is functional enough. We're just slowly unpacking the, like, extra items. Jay has yet to unpack most of his clothes. He's basically unpacking them as he needs to wear them. Uh, That's totally (laughs) my style. I That's a system. (laughs) When I travel, I live out of the suitcase. I don't ever take the clothes out. When I move into a place, I live out of the suitcase until everything's been worn once. <laughs> so See, that, I'm that a little bit exactly more like Tig Notaro. My... Yeah. What's that? <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh, I, I said I'm a bit more like Tig Notaro. When I go on a trip and once I get home... I cannot sit down and rest until clothes are out. Everything is unpacked from the for, from the suitcase. Everything's in the laundry. Like, uh, if, if I brought food with me, it's all put away. Like, I can't sit down and rest after a vacation until I have put my life back together. Um, oh, it's just not... It, I can't I can't relax. It's too restless. I can't do it. And I found out that that's Tig Tig has a whole story about that on one of her specials. Oh, so okay. I was just I, like... I, I was cannot. like, someone sees me. <laughs> 
<laughs> I was. I think my mom's that way. I cannot relate. I get home from vacation. <laughs> I am home. Suitcase sometimes doesn't even leave the car. I'm just home. I'm back. <laughs> I'm home. Get me inside and away from all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I don't blame well, you entirely, though, for that. Yeah. So th- you've been moving. You're moved in. Oh, wonderful. And then what else? What are you doing for Easter? Um, decidedly nothing. Um, so I, I agree with you about the aesthetic of Easter and the more pagan roots of what, like, the coming of spring is really about and why, um, uh, why, like, like, Easter is such a really beautiful time. Easter has, unfortunately, a very religious connotation for me because of my upbringing. And I have worked really hard to separate those two things in my adult life, but I don't really celebrate this holiday. Um, I just, it, I haven't since I moved out of my parents' house and kind of started living my own life. I kind of only celebrate if I happen to be around people who are celebrating it. Um, but I will say that I do like, um, even though they're, they're technically not vegan, so I don't have them anymore, but I do love the, um, Starburst jelly beans, um, (laughs) the Starburst flavored jelly beans. Um, and I also, uh, now that I'm a little older, I appreciate a good piece of chocolate. Uh, when it's dark, dark chocolate and rich. But when I, when I was a kid, so for, for the Easter baskets, you know how everybody would get like a chocolate bunny or like a lot of people would get chocolate bunnies in their Easter basket? I didn't want a chocolate bunny. I hated chocolate. So I got a white chocolate bunny, which is a serial oh, killer vibe. That's uh, good though. I was no, one of those. good and, too. I mean, it's delicious, but like, it's not really chocolate, right? It's not. No, it's like it's, it's chocolate for people who don't like milk. chocolate. Yeah, it's sweet and exactly. condensed milk and lots of sugar and fat and wonderful. And like now, the thought of eating because I could never finish the white chocolate bunny because it was so sweet. It was so sweet that I would have. I would eat like the ears, and that was it. I had to like <laughs> melt it down and put it in something. I know. Um, I always have to remind but... myself. KJ has religious trauma. <laughs> And, and for me, <laughs> every holiday has always been secular. So I and, I always and forget. I'm learning to reclaim that. Yeah, I, I'm working on that. I'm working to reclaim the more secular roots, the more pagan roots of Easter, because there 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 are pagan roots to the the timing of Easter. Um, and I love that. I always exa- exactly what you said. The fact that it's the first full moon after the equinox, like everything about that is so witchy and wonderful. And um, I'm working on on bringing that in. Um, the two holidays I struggle with the most are Easter and Thanksgiving. Um, I really, really struggle with. I do not. I do not care for Thanksgiving, um, and I really don't care for Easter in a lot of ways. But I'm learning to reclaim those things and make them my own because I never. I never. I don't dislike an excuse to party, to have a celebration. I love I that. Party. Yeah. <laughs> I think the traditional Easter meal is a lentil loaf. Um, but this year we are going to do, <laughs> actually, we'll save it. This year we're doing lasagna, which is actually, okay, spoilers, spoilers. We're talking about spoilers food coming. We're talking about food today. So actually, my recipe is what I'm cooking for Easter. So. Um, but before we get into that, did you draw us a tarot card? 
I sure did. And it's actually really fun that we started talking about kind of the fact that there is a little bit of like a spiritual side to how Easter is placed on the calendar. Because I decided to do the spooky tarot today. And um, which is my uh, beautiful deck. It's by Ryan Kasky. Hey, Ryan, your deck is beautiful. Um, And today we picked the six of pumpkins. Do you want to describe the six of pumpkins? Oh, it's um. What are those uh, towers called with all the heads? It's kind of like a totem? Yeah, it's like a totem pole kind of, but it's all pumpkins. And they're creepy and they're cool and I love it. So in the description of this card, um, it says that the the pumpkins stacked on top of each other are all kind of melding in with one another. It's almost like they're a candle that started to melt together. And the symbolism there is that all of these individual pumpkins are sort of still individual entities, but they're also building themselves into one large entity, which is uh, an allegory for community and building community. And that can go two different ways. Well, two like macro ways. Um, you either are the type of person that has the resources to help build community or you possibly need resources to connect to your community. Um and I'm just curious, what does that symbolize for you in your life in this moment? Ooh, well, mm. <clears throat> I um, I own a home, which is new for me. I say new, but it's been like two years. But um, uh, so in my community, in terms of geographic location, um, you know, we do things like, uh, well, like one thing I think about is you gotta. Uh, shovel your sidewalk right and that Hmm. might sound boring but the reason you do it is so we can all use the sidewalk you know and um and then my one i have a neighbor will sometimes snow blow my garage for me which is very nice and then i had all this like old scraps of wood and he's like a um he's just like a man in a garage So I'm like, you can have it. You can just take it. I don't want it. So kind of like that, like getting to know your neighbors and not necessarily needing to be friends, but you live together. You live next to each other. What you do impacts each other in a way. And um, uh, my one, like I had a neighbor who had to tear down their tree. And so in order to get to the tree, they had to go through my yard and they trampled Mm -hmm. some of my plants and killed them. And so she got me a gift card and bought me new plants, which was very nice. So um, anyway, the whole moral of this story is uh, owning a home has been the first time uh, I've been invested in making sure I'm making a positive impact on those around me. Um, Because when I lived in apartments, um, I was aware of like noise. But I didn't really care about anything else. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't care about getting to know my neighbors or if I impact. You know what I mean? Because I didn't have to shovel. I didn't have to do any of that stuff. That was all taken care of. So So that's been kind of fun for me to feel like I belong. And then, yeah, well, I guess that was my immediate thought. What's coming up for you? Well, before we get to me, I kind of wanted to ask a follow up question because it's just it's just a wondering. Do you think it's 100 percent connected to owning the home or do you think it's more the maturity and like the time in your life that came along with it? 
um, partially as well. Because I know people who live in apartments that are really, really connected to their to their neighbors. So maybe it was just the the spirit and the vibe of where you were living. It just you you you're in the place you're supposed to be right now. Oh, for I, sure. It sounds like to me is maybe what I'm wondering. Yeah, um, absolutely. I only brought up that I own it because um, that just means like fines and stuff fall on me. <laughs> <laughs> well, and also, it I, I think there's like a personal responsibility that gets taken when you're in charge of how, you know what I mean, how it how it how it gets maintained. Um, right. But exactly. I know for you, like if I don't, you know, if my house is messy and I don't wash the walls and if I don't make sure the gutters are like the house gets destroyed and that's but no, absolutely. I, you definitely don't have to own a home to feel that connection. And you're right. I think it's two things coinciding. I think it's owning the home. And I'm finally at a place where I've been sober for God. Uh It'll be five years on June 13th mm-hmm. um, in a row. <laughs> I've been in recovery <laughs> longer than five years, but I'm finally stringing together years of sobriety. And so um, I've been sober for a while. I am definitely, and that's, I feel like so when you're, when you're an addict, um, just stringing together consecutive years of sobriety, you're just able to think more clearly and you're just able to be more present, um, constantly relapsing and being in the throes of ind- addiction. It's very hard to show up for others around you. It's very challenging. Um, so, and, and actually for me, I just didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> people would be like do you want to go to this thing and i'd be like no i am drunk um <laughs> so uh it's so it's been nice to feel kind of connected and present perfect at it i am definitely not the first one out there shoveling snow i'm like maybe it'll melt let's give it a second <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do I feel that connection. I feel that responsibility. And that feels good. Um Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the, yeah the, the only reason I asked the follow-up question is because I was I was just wondering because when we when big changes like that happen in our lives, I think sometimes those are the moments where we see more clearly how our impact on the world does actually impact others around us and also how that impacts us you know like having a shoveled sidewalk is uh, is yes for other people but also you know you can walk out of your house and walk around the sidewalk and not not have to trudge through like half ice half snow you know it's like you're doing it for you as much as for other people and you know that's there's a there's a symbiotic community relationship there um which is a it's a really good example. So shoveling the sidewalk, it's sort of like putting shopping carts back. You know, it's one of those things where it's like I understand that my action here is going to impact other people. Is it a very minor thing? Yeah, in a lot of ways. But also, you're being ADA compliant by uh, shoveling the sidewalk, which stop. is very nice. You stop. Uh, <laughs> Except I'm, for I'm... I did my best, but a walker <laughs> could not go through that sidewalk. It was still because I'm... you know when it gets that bottom layer of snow is so hard. So you do your best, but yeah, this anyone who lived in the Midwest oh, in 2023, you know, it was kind of rough. This is this is one of the worst winters on record. Yeah, it was pretty pretty bad. Um, so yeah, I just I really love that because, of course, where where my brain goes immediately is, 
Um, I've been really, really craving having a more creative, uh, creative queer community around me. I'm, I'm looking, uh, now that we're coming out of winter and things are coming back to life a little bit and I've moved and I actually have more space. I actually want to utilize this space for community things. Like I actually want to involve myself more in the community and actually have a space to host things. And like a, a live music open mic night for queer people sounds like a lot of fun to me. So being able to have that in my front yard sounds really great. And sharing resources. Um, I'm a part of a couple of mutual aid groups and also just like like running in circles with people who share a lot more mutual aid, um, which for those of you who don't know, mutual aid is uh, individual people pooling resources together to create a big piece of resources, whether that's money in, in, a, in a specific pool so that they can help individuals in need or supply drives or other ways to help community members in need. Um, I've really, really, really started focusing in on that because unfortunately right now we're kind of in a place where we really can't wait for large, like large entity and governmental action to, to help. Um, we need to keep fighting for it and we need to keep pushing for it. And also sometimes you just got to jump in and do it yourself a little bit, but you can't do it all by yourself. So that's where the community part comes in. And that's where I've really been focusing on is more creative community, particularly queer and marginalized, uh, creative communities. And then also, making sure that I'm giving back to the members of my immediate community around me who are in need as much as I can, knowing full well that I am a, a queer person who works in a very unstable field. So I also have to be aware of that, um, taking care of myself as well. So I, anyway, I don't that. know. I, I liked this card. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And I love this idea of performing in your front yard that that just sounds so awesome i just love it i hope that uh i mean i know it'll come to fruition if that's what you want and that just sounds so wonderful so um and also yeah times are really tough right now groceries my grocery bill has at least doubled i feel like everything is so Oof. expensive yep manufactured recession uh, which is a whole episode by itself but um <laughs> so as we're doing our check-ins um one thing i have been noticing in myself is so the sun uh, we're getting more hours of daylight and I am noticing that I am able to accomplish things more, which definitely mm. tells me that I had really bad seasonal depression this year. And taking yeah. vitamin D does not solve it. Because I took my <laughs> vitamin D, girl. You know I did. Um, and so... <sighs> And, and that also makes you realize, I feel like it, it, seasonal depression and depression in general is hard to describe, you know, um, but yes, it's it is. just this really demoralizing feeling where everything you feel is very real and life just doesn't feel manageable. And as and it's just so funny that um, the sun being out more, I can get stuff accomplished again. So. Um, what I want, one thing I wanted to talk about is routines because I don't have any routines, uh, <laughs> during the past couple of months on Saturdays and Sundays, which are my days off. Um, 
I would get up and go to the couch and play video games, which is not a good morning routine. Because do you know what video games lead to? More video games. <laughs> so, um, do you have any routines? I do. Um, right now, because I've been on break, my routines are really out of whack right now. But I most of my mornings are actually spent teaching some type of movement class or teaching online that's my morning saturday through thursday and then friday is my one day off so my routine is usually get up i try to be up by seven at the latest but sometimes i'll be up a little earlier or later and my big thing and that's is a.m a.m yes indeed a.m <laughs> Can you imagine? Um, for those, um, I am not a morning person. I am not a morning person. You know what? The mornings person, are not that for her. That sounds okay. like the. Cr- that's okay. Uh, <laughs> that sounds like midnight. But um, to I, uh, the first thing I do, we have, you you know me. Once upon a time, it was a French press all the way, <laughs> and I still love me a French press, and occasionally I'll make one. But we now have a digital brewer that has a timer on it, and so we like one of my yes. routines is finish the dishes before I go to bed. Like, I want that sink clear of dishes before I go to sleep and then set the co- make uh, make the coffee, set the timer and then uh, do my Duolingo. And then I go upstairs and I try to read a couple pages of whatever book I'm reading and then I go to bed. That's kind of my like bedtime getting myself into that the my the headspace to sleep. The Duolingo part, I need to actually move to earlier in the day because I'm trying to get off my phone um, before I go to bed. Um, and then in the morning, the coffee's ready. And that, like, really sets the morning off in a totally different space when I know that I can just, like, shuffle into the kitchen and have some coffee right away. Like, that is a part of my routine. That is, that's, it's ritualized. And um, it's one of those things where uh, it'll probably keep going until a doctor says you can't do that anymore. Uh (laughs) So you get up and you have coffee right away that you've prepped the night before. Mm -hmm. Um, And then then what do you do in the morning? Um, depending upon the day, sometimes I have to get going. My first class, um, on Thursdays starts at 8.15. Okay, so you're in a um, rush. So I have you're to... getting coffee. Yeah. Do you eat breakfast? I, I will usually have either uh, two slices of toast with peanut butter on them, or I will make oatmeal with some peanut butter mixed in, cinnamon, and apples, or Ooh, apple slices. Wow. Is usually... Those are my two go-to breakfasts, unless I'm really in a rush, and then... It's a bowl of mom's best cinnamon toast squares <laughs> cereal. Because <laughs> that's well, the one they have at the co-op. Person. You always have breakfast. I am. I okay. feel awful if I don't eat breakfast. How about you? Okay. I don't eat food until the afternoon. Uh, <laughs> I So I guess I do have routines when it comes to work because you can't help. But so um, yeah, this past week I've had good routines. So I'm not going to count mm. that because that's brand new. So before this <laughs> past week, uh, I would get up right before work, like 15 minutes. I would drink coffee and go straight to work and I work at home. So I was just going straight to my computer um and then i wouldn't and so i work uh at 9 a.m some days some days 11 30 a.m and so mm-hmm. um on days i work at 9 a.m i would probably eat my first meal around noon which is not that late when i think about it and then when i wake work at 11 30 a.m i might eat my first meal at like 1 30 so after i've been up for a couple hours um 
But I think that's because I love late night snacking. So I'm mm. eating up until bedtime. Like popcorn, sure. toast, hummus. Uh, lots of hummus. Girl, we love our hummus. I mean, I love your snacks. I love your snacks. They're great snacks. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, uh, and that's not good. I have acid reflux and I'm, I'm an old lady and I've got, I've got acid reflux yeah. and it's not good. So, um, but I want to develop, so this past week I have gotten up every day in the morning. For me, the morning is 8 a.m. Anything earlier than 8 a.m. is just preposterous. Uh, but uh, <laughs> and then I've been going uh, to workout classes and then I go to work and it has it has been so nice. My workout classes are group classes. So I see other people. I talk to other people. A lot of nurses go to my workout classes. So we get to have that mm-hmm. nursey connection. So they all work in the hospital. And I'm like, you must be so sad. <laughs> <laughs> no, hospital nursing is so much, so hard work. I used to do it, and uh, I'm so glad I don't anymore. It's very hard. Um, but anyway, what's my point? So I've been doing that this past week, and I'm feeling kind of revitalized. So I'm trying to figure out how do I develop a morning routine, and how do I stick to it, you know? So Yeah. Um, but it sounds like... I mean- it sounds like on most days, you're kind of a get up, coffee, breakfast, go. You got to get out of there. Exactly. I mean, my my routine is kind of based on how my schedule is. And it's actually interesting that you're the first thing that you do most days is like a group exercise class or a group movement class, because that's usually where I'm heading to Mondays, yeah, Mondays, Wednesdays teaching. and Thursdays. And sa- Sundays, that's the first thing I do in the morning is after I get up, have coffee, um, uh, have have a little breakfast and maybe sit down and watch like a YouTube video or something with Jay, um, I, I leave. And now I live within walking distance of the Y. So three days a week, I am able to walk to work within eight minutes. Um, and yeah, I think for me, the morning routine, part of it is the rest of my day is a complete and utter travesty when I don't have breakfast because I'm doing movement right away in the day. So if I don't eat before I move, by the time I'm done teaching those classes, I am not just hangry. I am shaky. I'm like hangry. I'm annoyed. I'm shaky. I've had coffee and water and that's it. And my body is like, no, no, no. What are you doing? So I know I have to have food before I go move my body. That's just how my body is. And I think I would, I would, I would venture that it's not necessarily universal, universal, but it's pretty universal that we should probably put food in our bodies before we move them a ton. That's, you know, fuel, fuel, yeah. fuel for the body. I would imagine. I, <laughs> I, I don't eat breakfast right now, but I think I could if I was able to cut off my snacking at night. And I know my yeah. nighttime snacking is a um, sobriety thing. I got sober and definitely yeah. crossed a switch to food, which I know a lot of people can relate to. Um, and so at nighttime, I do notice if I don't snack, um, I'm more anxious. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, so kind of dealing with that. But I also noticed that my anxiety is less if I get that exercise in the morning. So, yes. And what always throws off this routine is one migraine, one bad migraine, and I get chronic <sighs> migraines. And um, I eat poorly because I want comfort food. And then I sleep differently. 
And just one migraine can, and then the next day, I don't go to that exercise class. And then that night, I do, and then suddenly I'm out of this routine that I've been working so hard at. So, yeah, I'm really hoping that doesn't happen. (laughs) Or if I do get a migraine, illness, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, and then if I do get a migraine, how to, um, how, how to, you know, take care of it. You know, that's something you got to take care of. You can't just work out through a migraine. You'll throw up. Uh, But how do you take care of it and then get back into that routine and don't completely throw yourself off? So So if you're listening, call in. Call in, please. (laughs) If you've got, if you have uh, techniques for nursing a migraine back to health, because I don't get them chronically, but I do get them. I get acute migraines. And yeah, when I get one, (laughs) <laughs> that 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 target women about medicine when i have a migraine forget it it's excruciating and then she rips her face off <laughs> ah, like that's that is kind of how it feels your whole head feels like it's been torn off it's ex- it's exploding you can't see properly especially if you get um what is that Ocular. called if you get yep uh, ocular migraines which mine are usually based on tension and sinus pressure Mm-hmm. Usually it goes from like a regular like thudding regular regular thudding pain headache to I'm going to puke kind of a headache, you know, and that's when I know I've crossed the threshold from regular ordinary day pain <laughs> into migraine territory. Good luck. Uh, <laughs> have fun. But but, you know, like dealing with that is is. And there, there's not one thing that's going to work for everybody. It's a big thing that maintenance phase is all about. It's why we keep listening to that podcast because a lot of their messaging is there's no universal thing that will work for every single human on the planet. There's not one universal thing that works for any species a hundred percent of the time. There's outliers everywhere for, for the most part, you know what I mean? And however, there are things that benefit us. Like we know Fruits and vegetables are good for us. They're the best foods for us as a diet. We know this. This has been proven. Now, the most recent episode of Maintenance Phase, I don't know if you listened to it, the one about forks over knives. I was wondering if you wanted to talk about that at all. Uh... <laughs> yeah, so let's talk about that quick. So we are going to, uh, KJ and I are both vegan. And honestly, I do think for most people, that dairy is a little bit of the devil and that is not a a universal belief um but dairy wrecks havoc on my system it gives me diarrhea it triggers migraines it is just not good and it's and most dairy products unless it's just milk um most dairy products very high in saturated fat and saturated fat is the biggest culprit for atherosclerosis which is the buildup of plaques in our arteries which leads to right. strokes heart attacks high blood pressure things like that so that's something we do know not that dairy you don't have to go dairy free that's not what i'm saying i'm just saying is we do know that saturated fat and triglycerides contribute to that and a lot of uh, and I guess I'm thinking cheese. I'm thinking cheese, people. You know what I was thinking. Cheese. Because it's, it's delicious. <laughs> cheese. I, I honestly don't see any health benefit to cheese. Doesn't mean everything you eat has to have a health benefit. See, that's uh, that's part of the trouble with talking about nutrition. Is food is not a moral thing. 
And not everything you eat needs to be for fuel. People eat for pleasure. People eat for culture. So cheese, uh, we do not eat cheese because it um, is nutritious. <laughs> People are going to argue with me that it has calcium and protein, and I'll argue right back. But uh, And so do a lot of other things. So, yes, exactly. <laughs> anyway, what's my point? What's my point? I'm getting off topic. What did you think about the most recent episode? Okay. So I remember the so this this episode got me thinking about my days of watching and rewatching food documentaries. I went through and you 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 and I went through it around the same time. Just like Food Inc, Fed Up, um Cowspiracy, um uh Killer at Large and honest and uh, uh Fat Sick and Nearly Dead. Like we really really loved food documentaries partially because we were trying to find those answers to the questions that we had about our own health. And we're watching these people who are making very, very, watching it now at 34 years old, I'm like, wait just a damn minute. <laughs> like, now I am able to see it from from Mike and Aubrey's point of view a little bit more. Like, that seems like a lie. Or that seems like you're stretching the truth on that a little bit. So I totally agree with, with where Michael and Aubrey were coming from about how a lot of the claims made in the movie, especially when they played some of those clips of the narrator, it's like, I don't think we can substantiate that point that claim, or they right? Were just lies. We cannot say without a shadow of Yeah. Yep, exactly. Or it was just straight up lies. And like, well, of course we believe them in our early twenties when we're like, we're gonna get thin and we're gonna you know what I mean? We 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 were in that place. Totally. We wanted to believe those things. And one thing that I did appreciate that they did is that they were like, I am not here to dunk on vegetarians and vegans. If that's how you like to eat, that is fine. We have no problem with the diet. However, you can't say it's going to cure everybody's cancer. We got to stop no. saying that. It's not true. We have absolutely no evidence of that. <laughs> there is no evidence to back that up. Just because one person thinks that that's what claimed their cancer does not mean that another person are, is going to have the same. There are oncologists right now. Because... There. Anyway, I'm sorry. I know that wasn't your point. I get sidetracked easy. Keep going. <laughs> no, I, all, all I was saying is that we just can't make these sweeping claims with no context, yes. right? We can't do that because then people hear it and they think, if I go plant-based, I won't have diabetes anymore. Yes, it is true that we put people on more whole foods, plant-based diets as a way to treat their diabetes. That does not mean that they will no longer have diabetes exactly. anymore. That doesn't mean that. We actually have no way to, we have no actual cure for diabetes. Just like we don't, we've talked about this before. I understand where Aubrey's coming from. We do not, without a shadow of a doubt, 100% know what causes diabetes. We know what contributes to it. We know things that contribute to diabetes. We don't know what the root cause 100% of the time every single person has diabetes for this reason. Just like we don't know that with cancer, right? We're still studying. We're still learning. We know things that, that can contribute to it and things that will that will possibly make it like uh, more likely but there are also people who eat exactly the same way as someone who got diabetes that never get diabetes that's where i agree with mike and aubrey we don't have that connecting link yet so when they say eating a high fat diet will cause diabetes it's like well hold on now because there are other people who eat a high fat diet who never get it so i i, I understand that the, the thinking they're trying to get us to do that critical thinking part where it's like just because a and b go together doesn't mean there isn't like a, a connector there that we're missing right something that 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 brings those two things together it's not an either or 
it's more of like a yes and kind of a thing. Yes and, where's the rest of the information necessary to actually make that claim substantial? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, so that's that's where my brain went. And it is appreciated that they weren't just for an hour and a half saying that vegans and vegetarians suck because that's what most no. things that talk about vegan and vegetarians do. So anyway, that was a whole mouthful, but that was like my whole thought process. I listened to it three times in a row because I kept missing things because I kept going off on little little like thought processes on no. my own and sort of missing things they were saying. And I was like, shoot, I just missed what they just said. I have to well, go back. Was a tough um, one, so anyway. Forks Over Knives has a lot. It has good information. It also has bad information, mm-hmm. and it also has lies, <laughs> and that's what makes me mad yes. looking back. Is that doesn't help anyone to lie in a documentary? That no. and so, um, and and then so, from my personal belief, and this is my personal belief system, um, I yeah. don't believe meat is evil. I don't believe eating meat is unhealthy. So I do believe dairy is the devil. <laughs> But I don't believe me. <laughs> that being said, I don't want to participate in that because um, because of a lot of things. Animal cruelty, the meat industry in this country is horrible, horrible to animals. And I don't think meat should be more than 50% of our diet. I don't think it should be 40% of our diet. And that's my personal belief system. Right. I think meat was always meant to be... Um, maybe like 20% or less of our diet. And in America, the meal revolves around the meat. I really I really have enjoyed the process of becoming vegan because it's totally changed my thought process. Uh, most people are like, mm-hmm. what are you having for dinner? Like steak and potatoes or brisket. Or the the name of the meal is the meat, chicken. You're like ro- roasted chicken breast. <laughs> right. Like, the name of meals <laughs> is about the meat in most situations. So becoming vegan... You're like, well, what's your meal? And I think that's why it throws some people through such a loop. Um, so, well, I guess that kind of is where we kind of naturally have got led into. Today, we want to talk about recipes a little bit and cooking. Yes. And so um, I have how I've learned to be vegan and anyone you can be vegan in any way you want is that. I plan my meal around the grain. So now my meal is uh, not every meal, of course, just like not every meal before was about the meat. Many were. Um, So I pick what is my whole grain going to be? Is it quinoa? Is it rice? Is it couscous? Um, (laughs) I usually have a (laughs) grain. Um, And then what are the vegetables? What are the sauces? And that's how I plan a lot of my meal. So I try to include a vegetable, a whole grain. And then I do try to include a protein, whether that protein is tofu, beans, lentils. Um, even though some vegans believe uh, you don't need to focus on protein, that uh, whatever you eat, if it, it, it'll be fine. You'll get enough protein. I kind of feel like you do need to make sure there's a high protein. I just feel like that might make me feel full longer. And I don't know if that's true, but that's kind of the theory I'm working with. Hmm. Yeah. I see where you're coming from there. I, I also tend to think about meals 
how the the, the elements are all going to go together and whether or not is this meal going to be better with tempeh with tofu with like a fake crumble which i'm actually trying to get away from some of the more convenient style uh vegan meats not even because of their like like supposed health benefits or like issues but because they're really really expensive and it's actually really cheap to buy tofu and not as cheap to buy tempeh but actually Fun fact, this year, my goal is to try and make my own tempeh. Oh. I'm this close to being able to do it. I have a big kitchen now. I want to start fermenting my own tempeh, and I'm very excited to try it. Um, but, but like, I, but I, I do the same thing. I'm like, what's my grain? Am I doing pasta today? Am I doing, um, and the same thing as a quinoa? Am I doing couscous? Am I doing, um, I have, like, these wild rice boxes, these, like, flavored wild rice and uh, couscous or uh, quinoa boxes I like to get from Aldi for when I just, I'm like, someone else do that part for me. Some days I just can't, you know what I mean? Um, but I also love uh, red rice, which I get in a big bag from the uh, Asian market up the road. Um, it's just... Uh, It was the only rice that they had that wasn't in, like, a 20-pound bag the day that I went in because they have these huge, like, just ginormous bags of rice, um, which is more for a restaurant. And it's, it's it's like a brown rice, but it's red. And I looked it up, and yeah, it's um, it's sort of like purple rice. It's another variation on okay. on rice. We have there's there's a lot of different types of rice out there that just isn't popular. It doesn't sell in stores very much. Um, and don't get me wrong, I love me just a a nice long grain brown rice and some basmati rice. Um, Jay's favorite is a white rice, and I'm not gonna lie, unless I'm having sushi or I want something with some like sticky rice type of a thing, I don't care for white rice the same way. That's just me. I personally. do like jasmine I like a little heartier. Rice. Jazz. Jasmine rice yeah. is delicious. Yes, a little jasmine. Is that? Um, but yeah, that that's just, that's that's my focus. I think that too. might just be white rice with jasmine in it. <laughs> yep, yep, with the jasmine. It is. Um, but uh, but again, it's like it's like something something extra that I didn't have yeah. to do because some days I'm like I don't got time. I don't got time for all the seasonings. Um, and although part of the reason that I stopped eating white rice is because people were like, white rice is bad for you. It's too starchy. And I'm like, I don't care. Yeah. Like I love starch. Give me a potato. Give me a potato all damn day. Um, <laughs> one of my favorite foods, potatoes. Why? You can make them in potatoes so many Potatoes are... They're so potatoes versatile. Potatoes are my love language. They absolutely are. And actually, potatoes Ugh. are healthy. What is not healthy... They're nutrient-dense. Yeah, what is not healthy is a french fry. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and don't get me wrong. I love yeah, french no. fry. <laughs> I'm going to have a french fry. And that's the thing, too. That's the thing. <laughs> obviously, obviously, I indulge all the time in chips, fries, all this crappy food. Um... But I try to, Ooh, I'm trying to make the majority of my meals healthier. Um, I did not succeed this winter, absolutely. Lots of vegan burgers, lots of vegan egg rolls, lots of, lots of good stuff. Ugh. Can we just talk about vegan egg rolls for a second? Or like vegan, like crispy spring yes. rolls? Oh my goodness. What a delight. <laughs> I love them so much. Oh, <laughs> They're and so like good. Them and like a teriyaki. Ugh. Oh, yes. Or like a, a, a or like a sweet and sour type yes. of a moment. I love it. And and I think one one thing that I'm because you the pendulum swings mm-hmm. right. My problem with disordered eating is that I honestly I had never heard the term orthorexia until they had the um 
uh, the, the eating disorder expert on maintenance phase. And I had never heard that term before because it's relatively new in the food science and eating disorder world. Um, but uh, I definitely, uh, yeah, I suffer from orthorexia. I am the type of person that really, really has to fight hard against that idea of a food being clean and good or unclean and bad. That is something that like I heard when I first started to see like influencers on Instagram and reading reading articles and that dug its way into my brain and it has been a very, very, very hard time digging that out. Because before then, um, everything, I, I, I had those tendencies as a kid because that's how my mom and, and people around me talked about food. It was all about what was good food and what was bad Damn. food. And if you eat the bad food, you're, a, you're being a bad kid was how I was raised around food. I was shamed for the way I wanted to eat so many times and shamed for the way my body changed and which as someone who was also incredibly short was like, great, now I'm being hit twice. Uh, like you're very short and you're getting wide. Cool. Great. I'm 13. Uh, <laughs> a famously a great time for oh, self-esteem. Um, <laughs> so now as an adult, I'm learning how to eat the way that I actually want to eat, which is, yes, I love eating plant-based. I love eating quote-unquote whole foods. I do agree with Mike and Aubrey. The definition of whole foods out there in the universe is pretty wide. So the way I like to think of whole foods is things that I just like like cut and cook at home. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like foods, foods I brought home in their quote-unquote fullest, wholest form, whatever the fuck that means. And you know what I mean? Because again, I'm not trying to universalize. For me, that does work really well. And then whatever convenience foods I buy to go along with it, I am trying to buy things that taste good and also are fulfilling because I don't always have a ton of time to cook and prep the way that I want to. And I have to make sure that my go, go, go lifestyle, whether I am like overworked or just or feeling just right with the amount of work I'm doing, I if I'm not eating right, I am a mess. I'm cranky. I'm mean to both myself and other people, and uh, and I can't function. Like, I truly can't function the way that I want to. And so, yeah, that got off. That got away from me a little tiny bit. That got away from the original question. No, but I think <laughs> but... that was good because when we have these discussions, it is hard because some foods are healthier than others. And, and it is okay to want to eat healthier. But like you said, no foods are bad. And also where this really gets us into trouble is when we start like judging other people around us. And who do we judge? We judge fat people, right? Like, when we see a fat person eat a piece of pizza, that's who we're judging. We're not judging a thin person who eats that. And so trying not to trying not to make food a value judgment while at the same time it is okay to try and eat to feel better because food does affect our our health and our mood (laughs) so it does like like anything else we put into our bodies the same way like drugs and alcohol do you know like like it's it's something that's going into our body and our body then has to process it and like my body doesn't process cheese very well anymore or ice cream for that matter ice cream this is why i was dairy free before i was fully vegan because ice cream sends me through it in a way that i never that it was like as bad as the worst hangover when i when i got sick from ice cream the last couple times i tried to eat full fat dairy ice well, cream and, mm, so delicious so terrible and that is one of those hard <laughs> things because 
uh, socially and culturally, we love ice cream. And we're from Wisconsin, people listening. We're from Wisconsin. Yeah. And we love an Olson's ice cream. We love a Culver's. We love ice cream, people. I want a Culver's pumpkin spice custard every year in September. I want it so badly every single time. And it's just, it's not for me. It's not for me, mama. My, my body won't let me. And then, so another hard part about going vegan was um, trying to cook whole foods. But whole foods, there are faster ways to do it. Like if I have my rice pre-cooked, I can throw together a rice bowl very fast. But oh, yeah. if you don't have your rice cooked, you're fucked. So trying to figure out a way to bulk cook certain foods like rice have canned beef because that's where I always run into issues and so I do heavily rely on right lately my tofurkey uh, lunch meat slices um, for a sandwich because that used to be a go-to for me it was like a meat and cheese sandwich oh yeah so in order to have a tofurkey sandwich with some veggies on it some hummus that's been really good but anyway let's get into our recipes what is your recipe? I, I know. I, I feel like we've started. <laughs> we've started talking about them already. Um, I know. Like, I already but... said. Well, I wanted to talk about like, because so the recipes we're about. Well, I don't know what yours is. Mine is not a quick one. Mm. Mine is like something you cook on a day where you have time to cook. So, um, yeah. But yeah. you go first. Tell me what your first recipe is. Okay. So I got this cookbook my last year of college, I believe. From a dear friend of mine, Haley. Hi, Haley. Um, and she got me the Veggie Lovers Sriracha <gasps> Cookbook. It's an entire cookbook I... of recipes that uses like sriracha oh, and chili and can sauce. I just side note here. I love cookbooks. I have three or four mm-hmm. vegan cookbooks. I love cookbooks. I don't know why. <laughs> so I just wanted to throw because KJ has an actual cookbook in front of her, and I just love that you have enough because re- I just, a lot of people because mine is a printed off the internet recipe so I just feel like that's a, what we do a lot of days but I do love just having a cookbook it makes me feel so adult or so <laughs> just so cozy well no I, I completely agree and like my other cookbook down here because I have two different recipes one of them's a dessert um I my my other cookbook uh I is my it's called vegan with a vengeance <laughs> And Ooh. it's it's from a, a a person named Issa Chandra who was the host of the Post Punk Kitchen, a like local like cooking show in New York City, I think. Um, so she's like a New York City based like like formerly punk chef. Um, and I just loved I loved that that attitude. I loved the cover. Um, and I, I make things out of there. I have a lot of breakfast recipes out of that one. So the recipe we're doing today is the sriracha chili non carne, Ooh. which is actually really hard to say. Sriracha chili with no meat. Uh, non carne. Um, I love it. But what, what, what I was saying is that like, it's one of those recipes that when you look at it, it looks like there's a lot of ingredients on it. And it's, it's this whole column here. But really, a lot of it is spices that once you have in your spice cabinet, that's the other thing. When you go vegan or vegetarian or you start having a lot less like meals that that revolve around specifically meat as as the, like 
you you develop like this is my cabinet full of spices that I got to keep. I got to have on hand. And yeah, that's so this a one... big. Oh, you I go. was just going to say initially that is a, a financial barrier. But if you acquire that gradually, you just have all these spices on hand. Exactly. But you're right. When you first go vegan, you have to buy quite a few at once. And that does feel a little daunting. It can. Although I will say, if you can find them in the right places, um, like, a lot of people feel like, oh, if I'm getting spices, I have to get really fancy spices. You can find at Aldi $2 versions of a lot of these spices. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be super fancy. And frankly, I've had super fancy spices and not super fancy spices. Once you mix them all together, I don't know. I guess if you're in a five-star restaurant, it matters. I don't think it matters <laughs> in your kitchen. Just like sort yeah. of like the, the the idea between buying buying conventional or organic. If the only thing preventing you from eating vegetables is whether or not it's conventional or organic please just buy your vegetables (laughs) just buy them and then just wash them anyway so what you need for this recipe here um you need olive oil one large red onion and a green bell pepper i sometimes switch the green bell pepper out for a broccoli um if i'm in the mood to have broccoli in my chili instead um and then an eight ounce package of tempeh which you crumble up with your hand and then either liquid aminos or low sodium soy sauce so whichever one you like um i've also used the coconut aminos (laughs) no because (laughs) i only laughed because my first thought was bragg's 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 actually and it does say it says bragg's in in the in the recipe um but then it says or <laughs> so anyway, and then two cloves of garlic, which I always double or triple. Uh, <laughs> I love I love, love them it. some extra garlic. Um, I love garlic. And then you need cumin, chili powder, paprika, bay leaves, tomato paste, sriracha. And then here is where um, it does this. This is technically a beer can chili. So you use the beer can to deglaze the pan after you've uh, made everything. The beer is part of what gives it its liquid. Um, however, you can uh, change that out. For, um, I will sometimes, I actually use, um, NA beers. I have several NA beers that I've, that I now go to that don't have any alcohol in them, but they, they, they have the. Couldn't you just use like a veggie broth? You, you totally can. Um, the reason that the beer is really nice is because it does add a certain je ne sais quoi to the, to, to, to the recipe. But, um, but again, I always use, I personally use NA beers for it, um, and but you can also yes you can use a veggie stock you can use um uh, you can make your own veggie stock um and then uh you need stewed tomatoes um cooked kidney beans and i always add extra beans i add either navy beans or i add black beans depending upon what i have in the cabinet okay. Um, and you're supposed to put the juices in with it as well. The juices from the can. Those also get mixed in. So I always get low sodium versions of them. But again, beans are not that expensive. You can get a whole can of beans for $1.50 even if you're buying the fancy ones. So they're not as expensive as other things. And a whole can, just pop it right in. Um, it's And then uh, salt and pepper to taste. Like a lot of these things, like one onion, like 35 to 50 cents. Did you say sriracha? Yep, yep, I sure did. Um, well, I said it right before I said the my beer. My first thought, I was like, this better have sriracha? It does. It's a quarter cup of sriracha. So it is not Ooh. It is not a mild chili, I will say that. Okay. Um, and I always add a little extra. I add a little extra chili powder and other things because I like a little zing. And then what I've started doing is I take, I buy a whole bag of frozen corn and I just pop it in. 
I put the whole bag of frozen corn in because it adds this little extra crunch that I just love. Mm, so that's it's really good. good. And and then liquid smoke. I'll put liquid smoke on the tempeh sometimes. Oh, let me tell you, I just started using liquid smoke more. It is delicious. It is so good. So delightful. Um, it can really change a meal from okay to like people going like, what's your secret? <laughs> no, truly. Uh, nutritional yeast, liquid smoke, and Bragg's liquid no. aminos. <laughs> Bragg's. I know. Just another company has to make liquid aminos. I don't know. Is it just I mean, I got you that coconut aminos from, from Trader Joe's, but it's a little sweeter. It's not the same. And I do agree. It's not the yeah, same. Yeah, it's sweet. It's definitely delicious. But yeah, it adds a sweetness. Um, so that's my recipe. And then you just stew it. So, so you saute all of the dry things together and then you add the, the, um, you, you, you add the spices and saute that for a little bit. Then you add all the liquid ingredient ingredients, deglaze the pan with the beer, and then you just simmer it for 40 minutes or however long you want to simmer it. That and sounds so good. I love chili. Oh, now I want chili. That sounds I know. Amazing. <laughs> I want to make it again tonight. I made it last week and I want to make it again, <laughs> but Okay, so my recipe, and this is what we're having for Easter, which is Ooh. not Ostar, which I totally thought those were just interchangeable. Sometimes I, they are, because sometimes that full moon is right around the same time as the equinox. But uh, So I don't make this. So this is, who is this originally by? I should. This is from NoraCooks.com. Ooh, Nora. Um, but hey, I, Nora. <laughs> the only thing I stick to is her tofu ricotta. Her tofu oh. ricotta is so delicious. I'll just make a batch and put it on toast. I love this tofu ricotta. Can you send me that so, recipe? So we're making lasagna. <laughs> yeah. So here, let's start with the tofu ricotta. Because honestly, that's the biggest part of this. So tofu ricotta, you need a food processor or a blender for this. And let me... T- <laughs> I just love, I love this episode because we're just like, mm, tell me about your recipe. It's something like, special. <laughs> I, I do love talking about food. I like talking about food and yes. I like talking about recipes. So if you Please. don't like that, you can turn off this episode 59 minutes in. You can, you can go back and listen to our JK Rowling double part, <laughs> two part episode instead, I guess. Anyway. <laughs> but uh, so you first take, um, you first take, I gotta look, look up the amount. What's the amount? Oh, a cup. So you need a full cup of cashews, just raw cashews, and you grind them up into a powder. That's the first step. And you want to do that separately because if you do it with everything mixed, they won't turn into a powder. Um, so grind up your cashews into a powder. Then... Um, then you can add everything else all at once. You want to add the tofu in chunks. So you're using an extra firm tofu or firm tofu mm-hmm. um, and a whole block. However, you buy your... Uh, and I don't... There are tofu presses out there. I just open my tofu. I squeeze it a little bit over the sink and then I'm done. Yep. And I've never had an issue. So, uh, so you want to put it in chunks. If you put it as one solid block, it'll take longer. But you put it in chunks, and then you, with it, you do half a cup of nutritional yeast, three tablespoons of fresh lemon juice. I don't use fresh. I 
Oh. I use the <laughs> I use the lemon juice that you just buy because because it's easier. Oh yeah, a teaspoon of salt, a teaspoon of dried basil, a teaspoon of oregano. It says half a teaspoon of garlic powder. You know I'm using a full teaspoon, okay? Um, and and then a teaspoon of onion powder, and then uh, you just blend that all together, and that's it. And then if you need it thicker. Or if you need it thinner a little bit, uh, you can just add a little bit of water. Um, And uh, that's your tofu ricotta. It's delicious. And it's legit delicious. Not just me making it up. Um, And then the rest is just normal lasagna. So this recipe calls for lentils. um, But I've done it where... Okay, so this says you don't have to cook your lasagna noodles ahead of time. She is wrong. She lied to you, and she should be sued. No, I'm <laughs> no, I just had an issue where I cook it and then I'm not. So I do cook my noodles ahead of time. I put them in a. So I cook my lasagna noodles, put them in a colander, uh, rinse them. That's how I usually do it. Then too. I assemble. Yeah, I, I so I tried it once where you do it with hard noodles, and it just it took so much longer to cook. It just was not good. Um, and then so I'll just do a layer of, and then I do pre-buy my sauce. You could make a tomato, but I just pre-buy. Um, I use pasta sauce. I just use pasta sauce. Um, and so I do a, a light layer of pasta on the bottom, and then I do a layer of noodle. And then a layer of ricotta, a layer of chopped spinach, cover that with sauce, another layer of noodle, another layer of ricotta, another layer of chopped spinach, cover that with sauce, and then a top layer, and then cover that with with sauce. So the way I do it, you need at least two big jars of sauce. And, uh, And then you bake that for, how long to shoot? An hour? Yeah. And if you pre-cook the noodles like I do, it only does take like 45 minutes to an hour. And then there you go. I mean, that sounds amazing. And honestly, why I like this? It's really good. That tofu ricotta. Oh, and then you can just pick up a daya mozzarella and put that on the top for like a little extra cheesiness. Um... Uh, and then what I like about this recipe is the filling. You want that tofu ricotta, and then I like doing chopped spinach. But you can do any, you can add beans, you can add lentils, you can add more whatever you'd like. Um, but sometimes I just keep it simple and do chopped spinach and the tofu ricotta. Now for the lentils, is that sort of like like cooked green lentils? I'm assuming I'm assuming like French green lentils or like red lentils, or does it not matter? So. Yeah, so if you do red lentils, you can just put them in hard because red lentils cook really fast. Yes, they do. So as long as the red lentils are in sauce, when you bake it for the 45 minutes to an hour, they'll cook. Green lentils, you would have to cook ahead of time. Okay. So so that you don't get the toxin that gives you the tummy aches. Um, <laughs> cause... Yeah, exactly. So... um. Yeah, so that's my recipe. That's what I'm making for Easter. Well, that sounds amazing. Uh, um, by the yeah. way, did you know that... And I'm pretty sure you've had it. Yes, yes. I, I had it the last time that I was back at your house, I believe. Um, or one of the yeah, last times I was back there. So did you know that uh, Pizza Luce, the, the pizza place that I think we've we've gotten pizza from before when you've been here, they have 
what they call Renata cheese. And I think it's the same recipe. Oh. Um, and it's, it's the same thing, but they call it Renata, which I think is very funny. Uh, <laughs> oh. I know. So I'm definitely going to make that uh, for, cause Jay doesn't always love lasagna just because lasagna, like, like, like you said, you got to cook the noodles. Those noodles can take a little while cause they're big and you have to have the right size pot. It gets very stressful for him. So what he likes is to buy penne noodles cook those and then make a pasta bake so that it's all mixed together and i'm gonna actually make some renata cheese and just mix that in with it um as like a filling with the sauce that would be good i think that sounds really good and then of course the little sprinkle of cheese on top the the daya or the violife or whatever you like um because i I don't know what it is daya has stepped up her game oh she's doing really though um a lot of them have like Aldi has has vegan cheeses now, and they're actually not that bad, and they're half the Do price. They? Yeah, at least here in this okay. area, because you know how Aldi is different everywhere you go. Um, but mm-hmm. one thing that, that that I like about that recipe is that if you don't feel like buying the vegan cheese to put on top, a block of tofu and everything else that you just described, none of that is that expensive, and that is a whole tray that will feed four to five people easily. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And so that's the other thing. I kind of want we, – we talked about this in our beginnings episode. A lot of people think that being vegan is very expensive. And in some ways, it can be more expensive than eating a regular diet. But it depends upon how – a regular diet, whatever that means, quote, unquote. But but uh, it just depends upon what, what you're focusing in on. And a lot of the foods that go into making up – a vegetarian or vegan diet are actually not that expensive. I spend more money on the like fancy extra things that I like than anything else. And, but they're not, they're not staple things. Or the one thing I will say is getting pricier is uh, nut milk alternatives. Nut milk alternatives have gotten very expensive. Soy milk is like $6 a fucking like thing um quart or whatever it is the like triangular <laughs> um, yeah yep, that's yep, gotten yep. really really expensive and the one at aldi which is what i used to get they don't have the unsweetened version of it anymore and mm. you can't cook with sweetened soy milk that's disgusting you can bake with it no, but you can't cook absolutely. with it Blech. so <laughs> 11 grams of sugar just poured poured in with your like some recipes don't call for that that's just not right so anyway um but no, I love I love what you just described. It's 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 a really really good meal that you can save a lot, and it's not that pricey, you know. It's not that pricey, and if you make that on like a Sunday, it definitely is at least two meals, if not three or four. Exactly, and like, um, so I I don't know like like a lot a lot of what we're, we're we're talking about today is like finding those routines with food that are things that you can keep. On like a weekly or maybe a bi-weekly basis, right? Because I remember when I was growing up, we had like nights of the week were specific meals. And we would have those meals every single night of the week, except for special occasions or when we would have like a cookout or something. But like Wednesday was always pizza night. Why? CCD. We had to get to CCD. It was easy to throw frozen pizza in. Um, Monday night we would have like, I know, Monday night, we would have, like, <laughs> ham steak. My dad loved making ham steak. I hated it. I thought ham steak was disgusting. It's just thinly sliced ham that you cook uh, in a pan like a steak. 
Yeah. I've never. Oh my gosh. Or we'd but have. To me, that sounds good. But when when I ate meat, I loved ham. I did. See, and I, I didn't. Her. I was never a pork person. I didn't like pork chops. I thought it was disgusting and dry. Um, like it's it's weird. But I was when you. Oh. Go. I was just gonna say when you follow Esther the Wonder Pig on Instagram, <laughs> you don't want to eat pork no more. No, you don't. Um, like the only kind I really I liked chicken. Chicken was one kind of meat I really really loved, and I was very picky about red meat. I didn't like eating red meat at other people's houses. Um, my dad knew how to cook steak. I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> she could cook a good steak. She could cook a good steak, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, but uh, <laughs> just kidding. The last time that I had a steak cooked by my dad, I almost threw up because I was not eating meat anymore. Oh. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. I ate it to please them, and it was a bad idea. But, um, okay. I just wanted to bring up one other thing. One thing that is really tough for people going vegetarian vegan is breakfast. A lot of breakfast foods use creams and milks and cheeses. And it's actually really, really hard to find good vegan breakfast in a lot of places. Um, even in Minneapolis, like I have my go-to places where I know I can get vegan breakfast. And a lot of people are like, well, how can you make things like pancakes and French toast vegan? Really, really easily, frankly, very easily. So I wanted to bring up my favorite recipe for what uh, Isa Chandra in Vegan with a Vengeance calls French toast. F-R-O-N-C-H. Ah, and I love it. So uh, you get a loaf of Italian or French bread. In a, in a baguette shaped. You can make it with any kind of bread you want, but it is fun to make it this way because then you can slice them into the little French toast slices, which is really fun. And a baguette like that, $1.89. Like you can find that in most grocery stores relatively cheap. Um, sometimes like 3 to $4 if you're buying the fancy breads, but that's for a, for a whole long loaf. Um, and then you need a soy creamer of some sort, which we usually have in the house for coffee because Jay likes a coffee creamer. Um, and I like sweet French toast. So vanilla is great. And then either rice milk, plain soy milk, almond milk, whatever you like, a little bit of cornstarch. And then she uses chickpea flour. Frankly, I've used chickpea flour and I've also used regular whole wheat flour. It's all good. Whatever flour you got in the house is good. And then just some vegetable oil or olive oil for inside the mixture and then a little for the pan. And it makes French toast that browns up and is just so good. No eggs required, bitch. Like, and then people are like, how do you have pancakes without milk? I'm like, you just literally need liquid and flour. <laughs> and then a baking soda of and some that sort. Because that's your French toast recipe, right? Yeah, that's, that's my what, French toast recipe. Because I've had your... Yeah, and that is so good. And I just recently made pancakes where you substitute the egg with um, silk tofu. Yeah, you can do it that way. And it's a little bit different of a texture. It's a little bit denser of a pancake, but I love it. Oh, that's so good. Well, and the pancake recipe that she has is literally... Because the thing that makes a pancake fluffy, you actually don't need egg if you're using enough baking powder. Baking oh. powder will also fluff it up. So it's because okay. it's yeah. So you need salt to activate the baking powder. And um, uh, she, it's just all purpose flour, cinnamon, oil, so, uh, 
half water or, or not half water, a little bit of water and then rice or soy milk or almond milk and then some vanilla extract. And then you put maple syrup into the mixture to give it a little sweetness. And it also has something to caramelize a little bit inside the pancake. And I'm not kidding when I tell you, if you have the right pan to cook those pancakes, those pancakes turn out just like any other pancake. So like there, there is, there's just this idea that like, it won't be the same. And it's like, you're right. At first, it's a little tiny bit different. But honestly, I've also baked cakes without eggs that are just as fluffy and delicious as any other cake. You know what I mean? Like, you just, it's it's about and learning how to do it. don't mind it being dense, the, <laughs> the silk tofu, you're full. No, absolutely. feels like a meal and not like a cake. Well, and that's like a protein pancake. <laughs> Instead of using a whey protein powder or some other yep. type of thing, yep, you're, yep. you're using silk tofu. Like... Those those are the things I mean, where where people just are so worried about like v- like vegetarians and vegans and people eat plant based or cutting out meat, like you're not going to get protein from anywhere. One thing that Mike and Aubrey are absolutely 100 percent correct about is that Americans already eat too much protein. We eat way more yeah. than we need. Like honestly, I cannot think of a week where I am not averaging 50 to 60 grams of protein without thinking about it. Honestly, when I started thinking about protein, that's when I started eating like 100 to 120 grams of protein a day. That is too much protein. And it's not really good for us. And <laughs> too much protein, and I don't know what is too much protein. Because it's different for everyone. too much protein but... can be hard on the kidneys. Yeah. So it isn't good. No. That isn't a nutrient you can just eat whatever, however. I think some people think protein is an... Uh, a macronutrient that you can just eat as much as you want of. And just like all things, you should eat not too much. Exactly. Well, and like, I don't know. So like, I just, that, 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 that really like, like kind of, kind of got me going a little bit because breakfast is a difficult meal. Also, there's a great recipe in there for tempeh bacon. Um, you just cut tempeh Ooh. as thinly as you can. And then you put apple cider vinegar, liquid smoke, garlic, and tomato paste all together. And if you want to add a little bit of maple syrup to make like like syrupy bacon, you add a little bit of that into the mixture. And then you you cook it on a hot pan until it's like glazed on each side. And it it is nothing like bacon, but it tastes very, very good. You know what I mean? I think you need to send me that one. Yeah, that, that one, good. it's really good. It took me a couple tries to get it right. The first couple times I made it, I didn't okay. quite make it correctly. But also, you learn ways to make it yourself. Going vegetarian vegan can be really easy. You can buy pra- pa- packaged foods. Um, you can buy, you know what I mean? Like, there, there, there's a lot of ways to do it. But if you are the type of person that wants to get into cooking more, please write in. We will happily send you a hundred recipes <laughs> uh, because and and in the beginning you may focus on trying to make the foods you liked vegan mm-hmm. but then the more the longer you're vegan the realize that you'll just have meals you like you you stop trying to replicate what you used to enjoy because that's where people run into trouble they'll be like well, what's the vegan version of steak and you just want to say there isn't one you don't have steak no more and that's okay exactly and for exactly some people, that might sound awful some people that might sound terrible and there are fake meats out there that you can have. And, and if that needs to be your bridge, only if you want to. That being said, I am all for reducing. If you want to be more environmentally friendly, I'm all for 
reducing the amount of meat you eat. I think that is totally fine. I don't think everyone in the world needs to be vegan. I do think dairy is the devil, and you got to reckon with that. (laughs) (laughs) And hey, if you want a Beyond Brat or a Beyond Meat Burger, far be it from us to tell you no. Like, that is, they're good. They taste good. And, we love her. And if we you if you gussy them up with enough stuff, you know what I mean? It tastes very similar to the real thing, you know? And I don't know. I just, I, I, I like, I'm with you. I love talking about food. I love talking about food so much. And something that I'm realizing as I've now come into like, my second decade, you know what I mean? Of like, I'm, I'm now like beyond my 10 years of eating vegetarian vegan. Um, I am like, I'm less like, like willing to like tell other people how to eat. Like the first couple of years. Yeah. I was really like, "Mm, you should stop eating like that. Um, and no one likes that person. (laughs) Um, no one enjoys being around that person. However, If you ask my opinion or if you try to goad me into like getting upset about eating the way that I do, I will tell you all the reasons why I don't eat the way that I, you know what I mean? The, the, the way that I used to. And I will tell you all the reasons why if if you want to like poke me in the eye enough times, yeah, I will absolutely tell you all the reasons why eating that steak is crap. You know what I mean? Like if, if you want to get me into that place, yeah, I will absolutely like, like, like let's go. Uh, <laughs> but. And honestly, telling people I'm vegan unless it's my friends my friends I do like to get preachy with and it's mostly in jest Um, exactly but with new people I have anxiety about telling them I'm vegan because I'm so afraid of all the judgment and all the questions I don't want them well and you live in west central Wisconsin like (laughs) I think that's why it's like to not eat cheese curds and broth in this part of Wisconsin or no in Wisconsin period um it's just different it's just different and people don't understand it they're like oh so you just have like turkey <laughs> <laughs> oh so you eat fish like, oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's the other that's one i get like... a lot okay so so would would like a shrimp platter work or like a salmon and i'm like you know what you're trying and i hear you trying but nope yeah and oh Oh my my goodness goodness. the next time we do this we have to primarily just talk about desserts because i have some great cookie recipes yeah okay (laughs) so next the next cooking episode is gonna be desserts because what a so, yeah okay we should probably wind down yeah yeah yeah. we should probably down. bring it in for a land you and i could do a two-hour special on just <laughs> the way that we like to eat um but it's also because i love sharing the joy of food with other people and i like making things that i know most people will actually enjoy i'm not trying to make you know dry bran muffin i'm not here for that like if that's what you like, you go for it. But most people don't enjoy that in my experience. So I like to, when I cook for other people, I love to share things. And I'm like, I really like this because I know for a fact that it's good. You will enjoy the flavor. It's not just my taste buds. And, yeah, and I'm always looking for more recipes to cook for others because I live alone. And when you live alone, regardless yeah. of if you're vegan or not, when you live alone, you make yourself <laughs> very weird meals. You make yourself a salad where the dressing is just mustard. 
<laughs> and you're hey, okay with And that's fine. That's the other thing, too. The things that you like to do to make food the way that you like it, please, by all means, keep doing that. Um, the way that, like, recipes are great. Because a recipe, once you have it down, like, I don't use that 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 book anymore for either of the recipes I shared. I don't look at the book anymore. I know how to make those recipes now. And I make them my own way now. The recipe was there to help me get to a place where I can make that food. And we love sharing this with you all because if you're the type of person that wants to get there, that that's the first step. Find the things that you enjoy making and then make it as many times as you want. It doesn't, like, it doesn't have to be... A five-star gourmet meal every single time. Although, it can be fun to make that style of meal, too. <laughs> I don't think I ever have, but I would like to learn. <laughs> I I think Shim Sham makes a three-star meal, time, but it's good. It's a good meal. Hey, there ain't nothing wrong with a three-star meal, and there ain't nothing wrong with a one-star meal, as long oh, as you're eating and you're feeling Junko, good about it. If you made it to the end, Junko, we love your vegan um enchiladas we love them they're so good oh my god i can't wait for our trip in july so that we can make them again (laughs) yeah they're delicious so okay i love you (laughs) i love you i'm so glad we got to do this today please if you have any other recipes that you enjoy please share them with us unless they include dairy because austin will not read them i Uh, (laughs) hate the dairy and i think you should be persecuted <laughs> and on oh, that note, on that note, <laughs> thanks for joining us. Slancha, Slancha. Oh my goodness. Oh, good time. Persecution because of your dairy <laughs> products. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely.